Well, I know this, that over the last few weeks uh, in the emails and in the sermons that, that we've been uh, talking about trusting the Lord in the midst of trying circumstances of life. How how appropriate for this morning for me. How about that? Of not becoming anxious, but rest in the peace that surpasses all understanding, knowing that he will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord when we have our hearts and minds fixed, stayed on him and not just on the trial that we may be facing. So may may we rest in knowing that God is in control, knowing that he He will work all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. Now, does that mean that everything that happens to the child of God is good? No. Tragic and terrible things can happen to a born-again believer. But I believe what God is promising is that He is working all things together for good. You see the difference? He's not saying that that all things are are good, but that he he is working all things for good. You know, my mind goes back to the story of Joseph in the Old Testament and what he went through. All those circumstances of life, being thrown into the pit and forsaken by his family, that's not good. But God was working it for good. So I hope we understand the difference. Not that that all things are good. There are terrible and tragic things that can happen. But for the child of God, that we would understand that he is working all things together for our good and for his glory. That God is working in unseen ways to bring about our ultimate good and his ultimate glory. That in troubling times, we will not lose heart. (laughs) That even though, even though we may come to a point at some time in our life where the outward man is perishing, yet we know from the word of God that the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that song comes to mind. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. That's a tremendous promise of God, that even though the outward being may be perishing, yet the inward man in Christ is renewed day by day. His mercies are new every morning for for our Light affliction, and we've talked about that a lot. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. In the light of eternity, if if we're dealing with a trial for 30, 40, 50 years, in the light of eternity, it is but for a moment. And to know that any light affliction, which we may be going through, is working for us a, what did the word say, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So may we, may I, at all times, trust the unseen hand of God.
So may we always be ready. Child of God, may we always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? May we be ready. May we be equipped. May we be studied up. May we be prayed up so that we can give a ready defense for why we have hope in the midst of a troubled, troubled time. Because there are people, even right now, because of the virus, so many people that, that have lost their jobs. So many people that, that don't know they, they, they've got bills they've got to pay. And, and yeah, for some, they've got a, a little bit of stimulus money. For, for some, that, that that won't be enough to keep them going. And so they, they're looking, they're hurting, and they're looking for help. And so we, may we be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. May people that are going through anxious times see us and wonder how can they be so calm in the midst of what they're going through. Even if you've lost a job, even if you're laid off, even if times are tough, May you exude a confidence and a calm assurance knowing that God is in control and that God is good all the time, even in the midst of uncertain times. So may we present ourselves secure in Christ. You know, the verses come, what can man do to me? What, what can a virus do to me? I will trust God and I will not fear. Trust him, trust him. And so I believe that every every born-again believer, and I believe we'd all agree with this, that every born-again believer should be equipped and ready to share the good news of what Christ has done in their lives. And this would be a time where everybody would say, Amen, yes, so that I would be ready of myself to give a ready defense and to tell them the good news of what Christ has done in my life. And and I know I, I sent out, scripture that we're going to be looking at and I think we'll probably be looking at all those before we get to first Timothy we're going to look at Mark 5 Mark 5 and I, I didn't make slides for the scriptures uh, you know I sent them early so maybe you took the time to kind of go through and, and do some uh, little page markings there so you could get to these uh, in Mark 5, we're not going to read all of this biblical account. You can go back and read more of it yourself. We're just going to read verses 18 through 20. And, and you'll know that this is after the demon-possessed man had been delivered. So this is after the legion of spirits had left him and entered the herd of pigs, who then, remember, they, they ran violently, violently down the steep embankment and drown in the sea. And so this is, uh, after all this had taken place, and verse 18 says, and when he, and this is Jesus, when he got into the boat, he, this is the man that had been previously demon-possessed, he had been demon-possessed, begged him, begged Jesus, that he might be with him. See, he wanted to go with Jesus because of what Christ has done for him. He wanted to go and be a follower of Christ. However, you see, Jesus had other plans. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends 
and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now, now what a great story. Demon possessed, lost, but now found by Jesus Christ. Set free from that which had him bound. And I believe became a follower of Christ. He, he immediately, it seemed, had a desire to forsake all to be with Jesus, to go with Jesus, the one who had set him free. But Jesus had the other plans. Go and tell others of what Christ has done. <laughs> I, I, I read someone who put it this way, the former demon possessed, possessed the, the maniac became a missionary on the spot. Did you see that? Once demon possessed and within just a matter of minutes, it seems, Christ sends him out as a missionary to go and proclaim to others of what Christ had done for him. And he went away uh, throughout the whole city and told of what Christ had done and people marveled. And so what a great example for every born-again believer, for every child of God, having been redeemed, delivered, set free by Jesus Christ, that we would go to the world and proclaim what Christ has done for us, that we would tell others of his great love and compassion to share the gospel message that the redeemed of the Lord would speak up in regard to what Christ has done. And that's Psalms 107, verse 2. I love that verse. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And isn't that a picture of the demon-possessed guy there that was in Mark 5? The one who had been redeemed, set free from the hand of the enemy. And all oh, that would be all of us. And I, I want to keep going. Uh, let the word of God speak to us in regard to some other things. First Timothy four verses sixteen or verse six through sixteen. I believe this can be words that would encourage us, that would challenge us. And and I know many will say, but wait a minute, Timothy, that's a pastoral epistle that was written more for encouragement to preachers and elders and and uh, for those. But but we have the entirety of the word of God from cover to cover that would speak to us and give us words that we may live by, words that we may learn by, and we can learn from what Paul is telling Timothy here. So so I pray that we will. Uh, verse, begin in verse 6. If you instruct the brethren, and remember this is Paul talking to Timothy, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of this life that now is and of that which is to come. 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So Paul says, instruct the brethren. And I guess you could say in, in, a, in, in a way that that is me this morning, just reading the word of God, that, that we may have instructions and, and that it would be words of faith, words of encouragement, words of good doctrine and sound doctrine. And, and in doing that, uh, in me, studying and preparing for delivering a sermon, I myself am nourished. Because I'm in the Word, because I'm praying, because I'm looking to Him and having to trust Him that He will guard my heart and mind, that He will guard my the words that I may speak. And, and so by me studying, it nourishes me so that perhaps I may in turn encourage you to do those very things. Not, not that you're going to prepare uh, to preach a sermon. Maybe at some point there may be some of you that will, but we know this, we are all called to be a witness. We're all called to give a reason, to give a defense of, of the reason of the hope that we have, so that we would all be studying, so we'd all be praying, so that we would all be nourished by the word. And, and it says, and not to, to always be sound doctrine and not old wives' tales or silly myths or worldly fables, not that which is profane. And that's a very strong word in the Greek. It's it's babilos, and it means unhallowed, unholy, radically separate from that which is holy. It is the opposite of the truth of God's word. Anything that contradicts the word of God, it is fables and myths. And so we need to be careful who we listen to and make sure that we are as a Berean that we will take what we hear said, that you would take what you hear me say and take it to the word of God and say, did, did, did Randy tell me the true word? Or did he try to slip a, a, a fable or a myth uh, to us? Uh, but we are to reject those things, be, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. And I've talked about this throughout the years. Physical exercise has a little benefit in this life. <laughs> Scotty made, made a, a business that did, did well. Uh, with, with the gym and the people coming to work out and trying to 
to remain strong and healthy. And it has benefit in this life, little benefit, but all God says, spiritual exercise has essential value, has great value for all things, not only in this life, but in the age to come. Now, now I do believe that that we should be good stewards with all that God gives us, and, and that includes our bodies. Our bodies, while we are yet here on this earth, is a temple, is a housing, is the body of clay, the, this earthen vessel that the Holy Spirit resides in. And, and so I believe we should take good care of it. But the fact of the matter is, someday, <laughs> this body is going back to the dust that it came from. And, and for all who are born again, we will, we will receive a new resurrection body. So a far greater value than bodily exercise is to exercise ourselves toward godliness. Now, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, Paul said. Exercise yourself toward godliness. So in your Bibles, underline it, highlight it, write a note next to it. Or write a note card and stick it on your refrigerator that to remind yourself to exercise toward godliness. For this is a faithful and worthy saying, worthy of all acceptance. So I believe that this word today is a call to action, a call to obedience to the word of God and to the will of God. And this is an action that requires discipline. Amen? It, it does. It's going to take discipline on my part. It's going to take discipline on your part. What does it say? Exercise yourself. Train yourself. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's do a little analogy and, and, and think of it first from the physical side. If we're going to physically train, physically exercise, it, it would be me or it would be you doing the action. It would be me doing the running. Of course, I don't run anymore. I walk slowly. But the, the stretching or the lifting of weights, it would be you that would be doing those things. Yes, get instructions. That's why Scotty had a gym so people could go and learn to work out and not hurt themselves. So, yes, get instruction. Yes, have trainers and have teachers. But you can't have someone else exercise for you, can you? That's a ridiculous thought, isn't it, in, in regard of the physical, but it's the same in the spiritual. To exercise yourself toward godliness, you can't have someone else do that for you. That, that it is us. That is us. Exercise yourself toward godliness. And and this is reminiscent of what the Apostle Paul told the Philippians. And this is Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. You know this. You know what it's getting ready to come up here. What he say? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. In other words, child of God, born again believer, those who have this Holy Spirit in us, work out that which God has placed in you. 
and, and Paul would echo all these same words in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And, and remember, that this is the last word that we get from Paul. This is, this is, I don't know just how long before, but this is before he was killed. And this is the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. And here he tells Timothy again, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And, and Paul will echo these words throughout his other epistles, his other letters. Present yourself approved to God. Be diligent in the word, in season and out of season, at all times and in all ways. Be diligent to pray. Be diligent to read the word. Be diligent to exercise yourself toward godliness. Be diligent to tell others of what Christ has done for you. So uh, I pray that we would do this. And, and I pray that even this word today would would cause a stir of the Holy Spirit within all of us. That it would provoke a, a personal call to action. We can't sit back and, and expect someone else to do those things that God is asking us to do as individuals, personally. The, the call that he may have on our life to go to see someone or to contact someone or to encourage someone that he's asking us to do as an individual. So we have a call to commit to exercising ourselves toward godliness, to train ourselves, to exercise ourselves, to pray, read the Bible, study, ask questions, take notes, train yourself toward godliness. In in First Peter, you know, I, I said the, these these letters to Timothy were perhaps pastoral epistles, but here Peter. Uh, wrote this to the elect of God, to the children of God. And he had this instruction in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. This this is to, definitely to all believers. And it says, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And we do it with what? With meekness and fear. Not, not in fear of what others may say, but in fear and awe of what God has done for us. So how do we do that unless we have exercised ourselves toward godliness? This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Exercise yourself toward godliness. I want to read something that I got from Alistair Begg, and he put it this way. Just listen. Quote, Nobody's going to spoon-feed it to you. Nobody's going to make it happen for you. There is no magical program. There is no spiritual ab roller out there that turns you into some spiritual genius within a week and a half. There are no special pills. Nothing. I'll tell you what it is. It is a painstaking commitment to saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong thing. That's good, isn't it? That's good. To say, it's it's a pain painstaking commitment to saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. 
It is exercising yourself to godliness. There is no other way to spiritual fitness. By God's enabling, yes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, yes. But he implores that we obey his will, his word, as we persevere in righteousness. End quote. And I thought that was good. See, we're not talking about a self-centered struggle, a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of deal here, but rather a reliance on God, a reliance on his truth, a growing and maturing in our faith, not a perpetual baby Christian, but a progressing, maturing Christian. Isn't that what we all want to be? I hope none of you are sitting there going, well, no, I'm quite happy just just uh, the milk, the milk, the milk of the word. That's all I need. I don't need any meat. I don't need to. No, I'll just stay a little baby Christian. No, that's not what we're called for. We're called to be maturing in our faith. We're we're in a process of sanctification, a process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So so that we would do that. So read the word, study, exercise yourself toward godliness. This deserves full acceptance. Go back. Uh, I'm just going to read First Timothy 4, verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach. The ESV says we both toil and strive. Why? Why, why do we toil? Why do we labor? Why do we strive? Because we trust in the living God. Uh, the ESV says, because we have our hope set on the living God. NESB says, we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially to those of those who believe. So for the true believer, our lives have been transformed by the power of God. Therefore, we have committed to him our everything, a commitment to obey and serve him, to labor, to strive, and toil to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling before most holy God. The one true and living God who is the Savior of all men, potentially, but actually toward those who believe. See, because we, we must address that. Uh, and I always want to, whenever, whenever I read that, uh, uh, because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, and, and, and there are some will say, well, there you go. Uh, he, he's, he's the Savior of all men. Uh, but the word, understand the word Savior in Scripture was not always in regard to salvation. Understand that. Every time you see the word Savior, it, it's not always speaking of salvation. Now, the Word of God is very clear that all men are not saved. You know, we're born in sin. We're not all born again. We're, we're not all, not all are going to heaven. Not all come to the saving knowledge of the truth. And that, and that is a heartbreaking thing to come to grips with. Uh, one has said it this way, that God's mercy is universal in scope, but is particular in its application. God's mercy is universal in scope, and it's like I've said before, I preach the gospel message to everybody, to everybody. 
I don't know who the elect of God are. I don't know those who are chosen before the foundation of, of time. Uh, so the, the gospel call, the gospel message goes out to all, and God in mercy applies that message to his chosen, if I could put it that way. The, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient enough to save the whole world, but it's only effectual to those who believe. And I, and I hope you understand that. The, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient enough that it could save everybody who ever lived. But it is only effectual to those who believe. So listen. Uh, God gives common grace to all men. Have you ever heard that phrase, common grace? Uh, to everyone on this planet, that God causes the rain to fall. He causes the sun to shine. He causes things to grow. God graciously gives to all life and breath in all things. That, that's Acts 17.25, if you're making a note there. God gives to all on this planet. Uh, let, let me read something from John MacArthur in regard to this. Uh, quote, unbelievers experience God's goodness and mercy in that they are not instantly killed for their sin. Think about that. Unbelievers experience God's goodness and mercy in that they are not instantly killed for their sin, nor does he give them constant pain and suffering. They experience his temporal, temporal blessings in this life. But to the believers, he gives in the spiritual sense that they are delivered from sin's penalty forever, end quote. And I thought that was very good. I thought because in a lot of ways, all of mankind enjoys temporal blessings from God in that he doesn't judge us immediately for our sin. And so in that regard, we are all given a common grace. Unbelievers will pay the penalty for sin. Someday they will pay the penalty for sin. They will come under the wrath of God's judgment if they remain in their unbelief. Uh, we read 11 through 16. These things, as as Paul was ending up there talking to Timothy, these things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth. Timothy was a relatively younger man. But be an example to the believers in, now, now listen to these things. Because, man, this, this is, I could say to all of us that we should all be an example to everyone that we would meet in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Uh, Till I come, Paul said, give attention to reading, reading the word, to exhortation, to doctrine. And do not neglect the gift that is in you. Now, now Paul here was talking of the gift of, of preaching that, that Timothy had. But let me ask you this, every born-again believer, does every born-again believer have some gift? I believe they do. I believe they do. That would be a sermon for another time. But that we would all follow the, this example, that we would all be an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, 
giving attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. That we would all be making progress in our spiritual walk, in our conduct, and that it would be evident to all that we come into contact with. That, that's a that's a good and a faithful saying, is it not? That we would all, in our Christian walk, be making progress. It's no longer the babe that we once saw were, but be growing in maturity in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, that, that we would be an example. That we would it would be evident to all. And, and the reality is this: our progress is evident, whether good or bad. You understand that, right? Our progress is evident, whether we're going forward or whether we're sliding back. It is evident, and it is an example for for you that are parents, for you that have children. And how's your progress? Are you progressing on in, in faith and maturity? What what's the example that you're putting before your children, husbands? What's the example you're putting uh, forward? With your wife, does does she see that you're progressing in in, in godliness? Do you understand how how this applies? I hope you do. That it would speak to our hearts this morning. That that I would examine myself. Can Barb see evidence that that I'm growing in maturity, growing in my faith? That that can can she see that I'm I'm being transformed? To be more and more like Christ. See, that's my desire. <laughs> it's my desire to live for Jesus. It's my desire to live for Him. And that should, that would be all of our desire to live for Him and to, to progress in word. In conduct, oh, that's that's Tim. You read this the other night, uh, Colossians three seventeen, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then uh, later in Second uh, Timothy, Paul tells uh, Timothy to do this. In verses 11 through 12 in chapter 6. But you, O man of God, and can I say, but you, O child of God, can I, can I do that? Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many. Of many witnesses. So, so may we do that. May we fight the good fight of faith. May, may we run the race. May we run the race of reaching, stretching for the prize, the upward call of Jesus Christ, reaching out. Uh, you know, at one point, Paul said he, he disciplines his body. That, that was in, let, let's go ahead and read it. First uh, Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. 
And then what's he saying? He said, run your Christian life in a way that you would obtain that which Christ has laid up for us. He says, and everyone who competes for the prize is, is, is tempered in all things. Now, they do not obtain a perishable crown, but they, but they do it to obtain a perishable crown, those who run in a race on this earth. But we're running a race with the Lord, Christian walk, a Christian race, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with the uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul is saying, I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection. Does that take, does that take some doing on Paul's part to do that? Would that take some doing on my part and on your part to discipline your body, to bring it into subjection to the will of God and the word of God? Yes, I believe it will. So Paul exhorted Timothy, and in doing that, I believe also challenged us and exhorted us that we would exercise ourselves toward God. Now some may say, but preacher, I... uh, to tell others, I, I'm not equipped. I can't, I can't give a reason for, for the hope that I have. I can't tell others. And, and perhaps you want to just shrivel up before it and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, that's true. You can't. That, that's a true statement. You can't, but you can through Christ. You can because if you are born again, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We can praise the Lord because of Christ in us, of ourselves, we are all wretched, vile, and pitiful, but in Christ, there is strength and power to accomplish his will in our lives. Amen? Uh, Philippians 4.13, you all know this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And through the years, anytime I've read that, I always qualify that verse. It doesn't mean I can do anything that I want to do. It means that I can do all things that are God's will for my life in Christ Jesus. You see the difference? You see the difference in just being able to do anything you want and doing those things that are, that are according to God's will for your life? I can do all things that he is calling me to do, that he is strengthening me to do, that he is enabling me to do in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So let me ask this. Are you in Christ? Do you have Christ in you? Because, uh, you know, I've talked about this before. You are either in Christ or you are without Christ. You are either inside the family of faith or you're outside the covenants of promise, yet lost apart from God. There's only two choices, and it always comes down to that. There's only two choices there's only two categories, two groups of people on this planet. They are either in Christ or there are those who are yet outside. The only two choices. Jesus said this in John 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. See, there, there's only one door. There's only one way to God. Only one way to enter into heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through the door, through Christ, through through him. We must come through Christ, the door. No other way. And, and listen to this. I read this the other night. I thought this was very good. So everybody listen. Everybody just be quiet for a moment and listen to this. One door and only one. Yet its sides are two. The outside and the inside. On which side are you? And that, so that's a good little saying, isn't it? We know there's only one door, and that's Jesus Christ. One door and only one, and yet its sides are two, the outside and the inside. On which side are you? So there's your question this morning. To be in Christ, one must call upon him in faith, believing that Jesus Christ died for sin, that he was raised for our justification, you know, the resurrection Sunday, last Sunday, that he was raised for our justification. So call upon him, believing, confessing, repenting, and receiving. And so it always comes down to that. The gospel message, the gospel call, you believe. Are you in Christ? Or are you on the outside? Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks for your word this morning. It, it has been a, a challenge for me and an encouragement for me and, and, and a call to examination for me. And I pray, Lord, that it will be the same for everyone who has listened this day. So, Father, just help us all. Help every born-again Christian here that is listening, that, that we would examine ourselves, that, that we would know that if we are in Christ, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, and that we can do all things that you are calling us to do. We can do all things that by the power of the Spirit and the truth of your word, you're, you are enabling us to do. So, Heavenly Father, help us to answer the call. Help us not to, not to shrink back. But help us to have a boldness to speak your truth. And to speak it in love. Not, not to beat somebody up, but to present the gospel in love. That perhaps, <laughs> that perhaps, Lord, you would have mercy. That you would have mercy, that you would draw some to yourself, that, that you would open eyes to the truth, that, that, that some of our friends and our loved ones and our acquaintances, that, that we know that are lost might come to faith. So Lord, 
perform a miracle of salvation that only you can do. Oh, Father, just help us to be obedient on our part. Help us to live the example before them. Help them to speak the truth in love. And Lord, we will rest in knowing that, that we have done all we can do and know that salvation is of you, Lord. So Lord, help us. And give us patience. Give us patience because we know, Lord, the, the, the harvest may come years down the road of that soul. And so, Lord, help us to have patience and help help us to never give up on anybody, but to keep, keep sowing the seed, keep sowing the seed, your word, Lord. So, Father, should there be anyone who is listening who is yet lost, that is on the outside, Lord, do that miracle of salvation. Open their eyes to see the truth of the gospel message Open their eyes to see the truth of Jesus Christ on the cross, dying for sin. Help them to see their need for a Savior. Help them to see your holiness. And in seeing you and your holiness, that they would have no other recourse than to fall before you. By faith, believing, confessing, receiving, and following Christ. So, Lord. Help us all. Help us all that we might know you, that we might know the power of the resurrection. Help us uh, throughout this week that, that we would be able to do the things that we have heard this day, that we would all be able to uh, exercise ourselves toward godliness. And, and Lord, perhaps we would need to make a plan. And, and Lord, May any plans that we make, any regiments that we may try to make, let it be done being moved along by your Holy Spirit to encourage us to do those things. Lord, help us not to just make a list of our own doing and, 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 and to say, well, if I just do my list now, I'm going to be okay. No, no Lord, help us to know we've got to listen to you and to do those things that you were asking us to do, not of obligation. But all oh, just just a thanksgiving for what you have done in our lives. Father, help us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.